Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. It's our session tonight with uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter f- uh, 4, verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, shout and with the voice of an archangel, no, no, not too fast, uh, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus sh- sh- uh, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I didn't, this is not original to me, but a Baptist brother told me that uh, the Baptists are going to be first up in the rapture. I said, where'd you get that from? He said, well, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. (laughs) Now, I'm only quoting, so I didn't say that. Okay. All right. Well, we know the Lord's going to blow that trumpet real loud. And uh, whether we're dead or alive, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord there. That'll be a wonderful day. Okay, so I'm going to ask Carolyn to come and put the blessing on us tonight. Saint Carolyn, Saint Rean did it last week, so let's pray. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the incredible privilege of coming together tonight to hear your word open to us. Mm. We pray for Kevin as he ministers your word. Lord, that as he does, it will be life to the hearers. Lord, I pray for everyone here that you will cause us to open our spiritual ears, that you would give us insights and glimpses. And we thank you, Lord, that your word is inexhaustible and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. Well, how many were not able to be here last week? Why? <laughs> I just want to trick you. Anyway, you're welcome this week, and uh, I'm sorry, I can't give you tapes or CDs or anything. I don't think, can we? Uh, there is something. Okay. You have CDs. Yeah. I heard of one minister, he likes CDs. He's got tired of people pushing him over when they prayed for him so he'd fall under the power. So he said, now I just give him a CD. I said, a CD? He said, what's that? I said, what's that? He said, a courtesy drop. (laughs) I shouldn't tell you those things, should I? (laughs) All right, now we do want to encourage you to make sure you sign up. You're supposed to sign up because last week about 185 people signed up. About 311, they told me, turned up and they were out of sheets. Some of you are going to miss the rapture if you don't sign up or something like that. So main thing is so that we can run off enough, enough notes for everybody. All right, how many were here last week and uh, uh, you got something out of last session, the last two, first two sessions? All right, why don't we just real quickly, because we've got a lot of material to cover tonight, have about two or three people stand up. Uh, real quick, speak up real loudly and clear and say, okay, this is something I got out of the first session or the second session. So this will sort of be our review a little bit. Okay, so two or three people real quickly, either men or women, it's okay. Yes, thank you, Carolyn. 
Do, do you want this, Carolyn? Okay. I said to Kevin last week, I felt like I either had amnesia or something was happening because I've, I have heard you minister on Peter before, but I never heard half of what was given out last week. Um, one of the things, just the incredible background to Peter and the fact that there was something like 17 books in the Bible that he quotes or refers to and 65 scriptures that he kind of put together himself. Right. And the most amazing thing was you discovered all that. I think yeah. that was incredible. There's a lot of, lot of hard work. All right, two other people real quickly. Thank you, Robin. Well, I think my head was just in a whirl with the whole thing, oh. and I've reread it, it over. It is the advanced class. I realise, <laughs> and I probably shouldn't be here. No, no, no you should be. Um, but... Uh, you know, having the notes and being able to go back over, it's good. But I just continually get blown away by what a God of detail yes. we have. Yes, wonderful. Thank you, Robin. One other person. What about the brother? Any of the men get anything? Okay, thank you. What's your name? Glad. Glad, okay, thanks. Yeah, I've uh, just been reminded of uh, when you drew the diagram about uh, the latter days and mercy and truth. Yes. And that, um, you know, mercy enters in from the grand, groundwork of truth. So, yes, yeah, it was just good yeah, to be reminded Okay, thank you very much. That's uh, very wonderful. Good, okay. How many found uh, the second session very heavy, too heavy? Okay, I know some of you were spinning. But this is the advanced class. And it's only heavy if you haven't read the prophet Hosea for a while. Okay, all right. Thank you very much for that. Let's turn over to First Peter chapter 2. And uh, we have a couple of exciting sessions tonight. I think it's all exciting, don't you? Okay, so let's uh, go to 1 Peter chapter 2, and uh, we're going to read um, uh, verses 1 through to 10, just by way of introduction here. And uh, the theme we're going to be on tonight is building a spiritual house. And for me, as I've shared this over the years, it's just an exciting, exciting uh, picture that Peter draws for us. Okay, so 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm reading verse uh, 1 and from uh, New King James. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking... As newborn babes desire the pure milk or the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed of men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones or lively stones are being built up a spiritual house. Everybody say a spiritual house. A spiritual house, that's our theme in our first session. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, and I always love Peter on this. He says, therefore, it is contained in the scripture. Peter never seems to know where the, where the scripture is. So how many like Peter? Paul always says it is written in the second psalm. But Peter says it's contained in the scripture, yeah, 66 books of it. How many like Peter better than Paul? Okay. When you don't know where it is, just say it's contained in the scripture. That's a, it's a good way. Uh, that, that's what Peter does. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll tell him about that in a moment. All right, so verse 6. Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. 
Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. Now, notice in verse 9, verse 9 we covered in our first session last week, so it just makes us realize how much Peter has packed into one verse. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people or peculiar people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we saw how Peter just sort of condensed the, uh, the, the, the calling that was given to the nation of Israel in Exodus 19 and just brought it all together and the very... Uh, uh, purpose that was given to Israel is now applied to the church here. Then in verse 10 he says, who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. And there in that verse 10 he covered all our second session which was from Hosea chapters 1, 2 and 3 uh, where, where Peter goes back under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and he takes our two uh, sons of Hosea, uh, Lo Ruhama, no more mercy, not the people of God, and, uh, or, or lower am I, not my people, uh, but now the people of God. And he takes from Hosea chapter 1, 2, and 3 the uh, interpretation of those uh, symbolic children and applies it to the church. So like in verse 9, that was our whole first session last week, and in verse 10, that was our second session. How many think Peter was just writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit and took me two hours to explain it? Thanks, Peter. <laughs> okay, now, I want you to notice this now. What we're doing tonight is a spiritual house. And I want you, as you go to your notes here, I want you to notice Peter's use of the stone. And if you mark a Bible, if you haven't, I'd encourage you to mark it. I've marked it so it's easy to find. First use of the word stone is in verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. I asked Peter, where'd you get that from, Peter? Well, it's contained in the scripture. No, if you want to put the cross reference down, it's uh, Psalm 118, verse 22. We'll, we'll be doing this in our puzzle in a moment. Exciting puzzle. So Psalm 118, verse 22. Uh, and from that psalm, we have a living stone, rejected in, indeed of men, chosen of God and precious. Then in verse 6 or verse 5, we have the word stones in the plural. Uh, it may be on, uh, or it's not on your notes, I missed it somehow. Uh, you also as lively stones, how many lively stones or living stones here tonight? How many rolling stones here tonight? Now, we're talking about building a spiritual house. You can't build a house out of rolling stones. Lively stones, we'll come back to that in a while. Uh, built, being built up a spiritual house. So not the Old, uh, Old Testament temple, the house of God, but the spiritual house. A holy priesthood, that'll be our second session tonight, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, which we'll do nine of them next week, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is contained in the scripture. And note the next use of the word stone. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, uh, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. And that elect stone and chief cornerstone, that's also in Psalm 118, verse 22, if you want to write it down. 
And also he's quoting from, notice all the Old Testament references he's quoting. He's also quoting Isaiah 28 and verse 16. He that believes on him, uh, to, to those who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient. All right, and then in verse 7, next use of the word stone, uh, we link it up with verse 4 and 7. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So I've circled stone again, chief cornerstone. And that's also from um, Psalm 118, verse 22 again. So he's really got some insight here. Then in verse 8, the next use of the word stone. And I want you to note the two words he uses because they are interchangeable as we're going to see in our time together. So it says, and... A stone of stumbling, so stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. So whether we say stone or rock, I want you to notice we're using the words interchangeably as we do our jigsaw puzzle to, uh, together tonight. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. So first session last week, we covered verse 9. Verse 10, we covered in our second session last week. All right, so uh, that's where we're going. Okay, now... We're in for an exciting jigsaw puzzle, and I, I use this illustration a lot. But as we go through now, I'm going to have to make some statements, and uh, don't, don't throw them away. Just say, well, Kevin, where do you get that from? Wait till I put the whole puzzle together, and then I hope that you'll be able to say, wow, that's an awesome picture. All right, now, on your notes there, I want you to go to... Um, uh, as I've got on, on the note here. Note especially the Old Testament quotations and the references from which Peter quotes. So I've given you a gist of that. Now, I want you to go back and please remember I'm building a jigsaw puzzle and we're putting the parts together. We're not going to force the scriptures or force the parts, but at the end you say, wow, what an awesome picture. Because the Holy Spirit... Uh, through the different writers here, and we've got six from the Old Testament and four from the New Testament, at least four. Uh, there's too many uh, for my own fixations. I've done it right through the total Bible, but I thought uh, this would be enough for tonight. Uh, so the Holy Spirit has taken this theme of the stone or the rock and answered so many questions that we'll be answering as we go through. Okay, so picture number one. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis 28, and you can put the verses and some seed thoughts because we're going to have to move pretty fast here. But down the bottom, uh, where it's got a space and a line there, I want you to put something in our summary here. So Genesis chapter 28, because Peter, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going back to so many scriptures on this theme of the stone and uh, building a whole thing out of showing that God is, uh, that we together are being built up a spiritual house. Okay, Genesis chapter 28, and uh, I want you to put down uh, verse 11 through to 22. Now, I'm just going to give you some seed thoughts. Use the whiteboard here as we go through here. So, uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse 11 through to 22, and I want to make some statements, I said, probably unqualified, but as we work through our puzzle, you see, wow, that's all part of the puzzle. So in verse 11, I'm reading from Old Authorized here, referring to Jacob, and he lighted upon a certain place. I want you to note the use of that word place. And he tarried there all night, because the sun was set, and he took of the stones, now in the... Uh, in the new authorizers, it says he took one of the stones, which is true. But he took the stones of that place and uh, put them for his pillows. How many think Jacob was hard-headed and needed a hard pillow? 
and he lay down in that place to sleep. Now, the first mention we have here, and as I said, I'm making some statements which we prove later on. Jacob is leaving home, and he's gone outside this place, which is going to become Bethel, and uh, he finds a heap of stones, rejected stones, that the builders had thrown outside the city. Uh, as I said, I'm making statements, prove it later on. And so what does he do? He comes to a certain place. It's a nighttime experience. And so he takes one of the stones of that place and put it through his pillow. So first thing we notice about this peculiar stone, as we're going to see, it becomes a place of rest for his head. He's hard-headed in more ways than one. He lay down to sleep. Now, in verse 12, he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. Now, let's just uh, start, start here. So Genesis chapter 28 is our first part, and we've got to finish the rest of it yet. So he takes this stone here, and first of all, the stone becomes a pillow. Okay, and then as he goes to sleep there, he has a dream of this ladder... And at the top of the ladder, God is there. And God is going to give him some covenant truth. And so what does he see? Very peculiar language. He sees the angels of God not uh, descending and ascending, but ascending, going up and coming down. Angels of God. So God is at the top, and he sees angels of God ascending and descending upon the ladder. Now Jacob is here, and Jacob is like an heir of salvation, but this peculiar rock, he comes to this heap of stones that have been rejected by the builders, they're thrown outside the city, and he takes one of those stones, it becomes a place of of pillow. Now, just before we go any further, or we'll go for a little bit more, verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, that land whereon you lie, to you will I give it and to your seed. And your seed will be as the dust of the earth and you will spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and all your seed, all the families of earth will be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you in all places where you go and will bring you again into this land for I will not leave you until I've done that which I've spoken to you of. Jacob waked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. So note, certain place, that place, that place, this place. I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. Now, note the language here, and I want you, uh, if you're taking down notes, this is none other than the house of God, so you are going to be built up a spiritual house, and this is the gate of heaven. So, gate of heaven and house of God. Now, notice what happens in verse 18. Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he'd put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar. So the pillow, the place of rest, now becomes a place of anointing. And this is the first record of anointing in the Bible. He poured oil upon the top of it. First record of anointing. Now, we haven't got time to indulge in this too much, but remember, God said, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This was a trinity of men. Abraham the father manifests characteristics of the father God. I have to say this real quickly here. It's like God 
uh, it's a principle of understanding the scripture. In the Old Testament, God often got people to do typically what he himself was going to do actually. So it's like God the Father came to Abraham the Father and said, Abraham, you're a father, you have an only begotten son. I want you to do typically with your only begotten son what I'm going to do actually with my only begotten son. So Abraham the Father with his son, goes three days journey, not two days, not four days, three days journey to Mount Moriah and he offers him in type for a burnt offering. Later on, God the Father takes his only begotten son three days and three nights journey to to Mount Calvary and offers him actually, not just typically. How many think the Bible could be inspired? So God often got men to do typically and then Isaac is the only begotten son. There's only two only begotten sons in the Bible. Isaac, the only begotten son of the Old Testament. Jesus, the only begotten son of the New Testament. Jacob is the third person of this trinity of men. Now, they're not perfect, but God demonstrated in them. Now, he's the God of Adam, the God of Noah, the God of Elijah, but he's never called the God of a trinity of men except these three. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, because these three men manifest certain characteristics of the Trinity. So it's the third person of this Trinity of man, Jacob, who proceeded from the Father through the Son. It's the third person that anoints this stone. How many think the Bible could be inspired? Okay, now, so, after he pours oil upon it, so this now, and this is where your bottom one is, this becomes the anointed stone. First of all, it was a pillow a place of rest, but now it becomes a pillar and is a place of anointing. This is the anointed stone. Now, we're going to see how the Holy Spirit takes this up, the anointed stone, and angels of God ascending and descending. And Jacob, remember, the angels are ministering spirits to those who are heirs of salvation. Jacob is an heir of salvation. He sees the angels of God uh, ascending or going up, and going down, God is at the top, and God makes covenant promises concerning seed and land. Now, let's go a little bit more here. Verse 19, and he called the name of that place, what do you call it? Bethel, and Bethel means the house of God. Now, are you starting to pick up the puzzle? Because Peter, under inspiration of the Spirit, is going way back here. You are lively stones. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You're being built up a spiritual house. Not a literal house, spiritual house. Okay, so he's seeing something. All right, so this is, uh, he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Lazar Lutz at the first. Now, notice in verse 20 onwards, Jacob vowed a vow in connection with this place called Bethel, the house of God, saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. Now, notice the last part. And of all that you give me, I will surely give the tenth or the tithe. So here Jacob, way before the law on tithing, is making a vow of tithes. And he doesn't send it to box 666. He puts it in the house of God. So when people say tithing is the legalism and of the law, say, hey, no, tithing was before the law. Abraham, Jacob, tithers. I'm a tither. (laughs) 
these people who are too lousy to give. Okay, <laughs> now, let's go over to the New Testament and see what Jesus does. He gives us one interpretive verse in John chapter 1. And listen to the language because it's just the Holy Spirit inspired. John chapter 1. And listen how Jesus interprets uh, Genesis chapter 28, uh, the tithe, uh, the, uh, the ladder, pardon me. Okay, John chapter 1 and uh, verse, uh, just for time's sake, verse 49. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus then said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you will see greater things than these? Now, listen to this one interpretive verse of Genesis 28. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you will see heaven open. Oh, Jacob saw heaven open. Now the thing you're going to see heaven open. And, number two, and the angels of God... Ascending and descending. Oh, Jacob saw heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending. But notice the change upon not the ladder, but upon the one who the ladder pointed to, the Son of Man. Now, I can only give you seed thoughts because that's what the advanced class is about. So, angels of God ascending and descending, same language, going. Uh, <laughs> Ascending, going up and going down to the heirs of salvation. And not upon the ladder now, but upon the Son of Man. You see, when man sinned, there was a great gulf that came between heaven and earth, between God and man. And the only way that anybody would bridge the gulf was God let down the ladder. And this points to the incarnation when God sent his Son and it's the son of man who is Jacob's ladder and he connects heaven and earth. That's worth a little hallelujah. No, don't get too emotional. And this is a whole hour in itself if we did it properly. When, you, when you're climbing a ladder, you generally start on the first rung and the second rung and the third because God's at the top. And the first rung of the ladder, it's all, if you want the seven steps here, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 to 2, repentance. Who preaches on repentance today? From dead works. Faith towards God, not faith in yourself. Water baptism. Holy Spirit baptism. Let us go on unto perfection. How many are climbing Jacob's ladder with me? Plenty of room. Wow, that's the foundation. Okay, now let's go quickly. We won't spend as much time on the others. But there's the foundation. A heap of stones thrown outside the city. Jacob picks up one stone, becomes a place of rest. Then he has this divine dream of the ladder connecting heaven and earth, angels of God ascending, ministering spirits. And then he takes this pillow and becomes a pillar. Let's go to Exodus chapter 17. Everybody happy? Exodus 17, we'll try not to spend as much time on the others or we won't get through. Exodus 17, now the children of Israel in this uh, chapter have come out of Egypt and uh, they're on the way to Mount Sinai in the Promised Land as we saw last week, Mount Sinai, the Feast of Pentecost, they've had Passover and then we go down to Exodus 17, uh, let me see here. 
Yes, verse 1. And all the, children, all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness uh, of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses, saying, and said, Give us water that we may drink. Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Uh, Moses said to them. And the people thirsted for water and complained, uh, there, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you've brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock, so, uh, livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Now, notice the language. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horb. What rock? Just any little rock. And you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of elders of the elders uh, the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa Meribah because of the contention. So now, all just very briefly, this, this rock is a smitten rock. Why don't you put down in the same column, if you can, Numbers chapter 21. Let me throw this in just for sheer delight. What you see happening with this mysterious rock, Exodus 17, they are out of water, and God said, smite the rock. So we have, first of all, in this build-up, we have the anointed stone, and here we have the smitten rock. And uh, Jesus was smitten on Calvary for us that the waters of the Holy Spirit might flow. Now what happened, there was 40 years wandering here in the wilderness, and then in Numbers chapter 21, they again come to another place where they have no water, and God said to Moses, speak to the rock. And what did Moses do? He got mad with the church in the wilderness, and he said, here you rebels, are we going to strike this rock? And he struck the rock, and because of that, he missed out on the promised land. Now, let me say something here, and don't throw it away. First of all, Moses messed up a type, because you see Jesus has already been smitten once. We don't need the crucifix and we don't need the mass where Christ has sacrificed every mass. He's already smitten on Calvary. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from my riven side that flowed be of sin, the double cure. Save me from its guilt and power already. And so... He messed up a type, first of all. Then Psalm 105 or 107 says, Moses spoke unadvisedly with his lips. He was to speak to the rock, not smite the rock. So he missed out in the promised land. Just a picture. Let's go to the next part of the puzzle. Psalm 118. All right, so down the bottom of your page, you should have the anointed stone, where we use rock or stone, the smitten rock, he should have spoke to the rock here. Now let's turn to Psalm 118 uh, in a certain place Peter found. And uh, we used to sing this back in the dark ages when I was younger. Okay, let's go to verse 19. Psalm 118 in your column there, verse uh, 19. 
Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I'll praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise the Lord for you have heard me and uh, have become my salvation. The stone. Oh, no, whoever wrote this psalm, what's he talking about? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. That's marvellous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made and we will be glad and rejoice in it. Wow. Oh, this sounds very much like uh, Genesis 28. This is the house of the Lord and the gate of heaven. Open to me the gates, the gate of the Lord, in which the, right, the stone which the builders rejected become the chief cornerstone. It's the Lord's doing. This is the day that the Lord's made. So the psalmist sees something here. And just out of the blue, in the midst of his psalm, he talks about this mysterious stone. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 8 and see what Isaiah does with it. So from there, you should have picked up the rejected stone. The builders rejected the stone. It's the chief cornerstone. It's the Lord's doing. This is the day. And uh, it's the gate of the Lord. Okay, Isaiah chapter 8. Next part of our puzzle, which Peter quotes... And I'm not sure if Peter fully understood what he was writing under inspiration. Maybe he needed to come to this class. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Okay, listen to uh, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14, 13, 14. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense. So stone, rock, Synonymous, stone of stumbling, rock of offense to both the houses of Israel and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Uh, I don't think I've got time to indulge on this. But you see, Christ either becomes a stumbling stone or a stepping stone according to the attitude of the listener. And maybe you could just put this down. Christ became a stone of stumbling in two ways to the nation of Jewry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22 to 25. We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. They didn't want a crucified Messiah. They wanted a Davidic Messiah that would knock the Romans to Bilio wherever that is. So they didn't want a crucified Messiah, so the cross was a stumbling stone. And then first, uh, Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9, verse 30 to 33. The Gentiles, which did not seek righteousness, have obtained righteousness, but the Jews, which sought after righteousness, and have not attained it, because they did not seek it by faith. For it is written... Christ the stumbling stone. So two ways Christ became a stumbling stone to the nation of Israel, uh, a crucified Messiah and faith righteousness. They wanted to work for their righteousness, not accepted by faith. Stumbling stone. We could spend an hour on that. God, every visitation in church history, God has put a stumbling stone in the middle of the revival for those who get tripped up by it, but for those who believe, the stumbling stone becomes a stepping stone. Hallelujah.
It's not a picture. Okay, let's go to Isaiah chapter 28. Now notice all these are from the Old Testament. Isaiah 28. And Peter quotes this one. So I'm just following Peter. He really inspired me. So Isaiah chapter 28, and we'll pick it up in verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a, everybody say the word with me, a foundation. So if you're noticing a progression here, you've got anointed stone, smitten stone, um, what have I got here? Uh, the stumbling stone, the rock of offense, here, the foundation stone. So I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. Look at it all. A stone, a tried tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes shall not make haste. Peter quotes that one too. So in Isaiah 28 is the foundation stone. Let's go to the last one in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Everybody getting the puzzle here? Daniel chapter 2. Thank you for the underwhelming response. Daniel chapter 2. All right, now, in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel is interpreting the vision, or the dream, I should say, of Nebuchadnezzar. And in that, uh, the Lord gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream of the world kingdoms. Head of gold, Babylon, Iraq. The head, the shoulders and arms, two arms, a dual kingdom, Medo-Persia, Iran, today. Wow, very interesting. Lots there. And then he sees the belly and thighs of brass, the Grecian Empire. And then he sees the legs of iron, the Roman Empire. But go way down to verse, uh, oh, where do we go? Go down to verse... I better get in the right chapter. Yes, let, uh, verse, 40, verse 44, we will for time's sake. But in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in peace and consume all the kingdoms and shall stand forever. For as much as you saw the stone. How many are starting to see there's something that the Holy Spirit has about this stone? as you're giving progressively as parts of the puzzle. So he's the stone, all right? Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, supernatural, and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. What is the stone kingdom? The kingdom of God. That's the picture. So just in those six scriptures I've given you, the anointed stone, the pillow, the smitten stone, the rejected stone, the foundation stone, uh, the stone of stumbling, rock of offense, and the smiting stone, the stone that fills the whole earth and becomes a great mountain. That's it. Uh, in verse, uh, If you want to put verse 35... From Daniel 2 you can. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like the chaff from the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image, and note it smote the image on the ten toes. We can think of the United States of uh, Europe that's formed and then lots of talk about dividing the world into ten 
ten sections, ten regions, became a great mountain, filled the whole earth. So when Jesus comes a second time, he comes as a smiting stone. Okay, let's go to the next page, and we just pick out four from the New Testament. Matthew chapter 16. Now, for, for those who've come from the Roman church, this has been great controversy on this. But as we're going to see these scriptures, four from the New Testament, that's ten altogether, uh, we get the answer from Peter himself. Okay, verse 13 to 19, I'll paraphrase a little bit. So Jesus comes in the uh, coast of Caesarea Philippi, and he asks the disciples, who do men say that I the son of man? Different opinions. Some say you John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He asks a personal question. He says to them, but who do you say that I am? And dear old Peter, he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say also to you, you've said something to me. I'm saying something to you. I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. All right, now the big controversy is, is the church built on Peter or is it upon, built upon the one Peter confessed? And we would say the second. Yes, because you see, in verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed and be raised again, uh, raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. It does have a touch of humor. Can you imagine, dear Peter, who's just had a revelation from God the Father, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He takes Jesus' side. And begins to rebuke him. I rebuke you, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. You're not going to any cross. You go to the cross. Where do I fit in with the keys of the kingdom? <laughs> well, it's pretty strong language. It's like rebuking demons. And notice what Jesus said. Then Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. And he turned to Peter, and he didn't say, Bring me a bucket and vomit out your demon. He said, get behind me, Satan. Oh, so the very mind that received a revelation from God the Father one minute got a revelation from the devil the next minute. The church is not built upon Peter, but built upon the one Peter confessed. Upon this rock, and we've used this illustration before, I think. You know, when, they, when Jesus cleansed the temple, they said, uh, you know, Give us a sign that you do these things. And he said, destroy this temple and three days I'll raise up. And they said, 46 years was our denomination being built, uh, this temple being built. But he spake of this temple. They were looking at the wrong temple, like a lot of Christians are today. They looked at the material temple. He spake of the temple of his body. Three days and three nights of Calvary, the death, burial, and resurrection. Destroy this temple by death, crucifixion, raise it up, three days, resurrection. So the church is not built. Now, they didn't argue and say, oh, upon this rock. Oh, now Peter's the rock. No, there's a whole denomination we know looking at the wrong man. They just need to read the next few verses. 
Because the same man that was blessed one moment, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You don't like the cross. Thank you, Kevin, for that very good point. So the church is not built upon Peter, but upon the one Peter confessed. Okay, Matthew chapter 21. We're doing well. You're doing well? I'm enjoying myself anyway, so I hope you are. How many things exciting, just putting a puzzle together? Wow, we're not forcing anything, just following a theme that the Holy Spirit. Okay, so first uh, Matthew chapter 21, your next column here. So there, in Matthew 16, you should have the foundation rock of the church. The church is built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, Matthew chapter 21, see what Jesus does now. He gets into it. In verse uh, 42, for time's sake, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Where'd you get that from, Jesus? Psalm 118, verse 22, Kevin. Peter just says it's in a certain place. Okay. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God, now listen to the rest of it, will be taken from you and given to a nation a holy nation, the church, bearing the fruits of up. And whosoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomsoever it falls, it will grind them in powder. Where did you get that from? Daniel chapter 2. Because when the stone was cut out, the mountain without hands, it ground all the kingdoms of this world to powder. So my saying is, I would rather fall upon the rock and be broken, than have the rock fall on me and crush me to powder. How I many could say amen. amen? So what does Jesus do? He brings Psalm 118, verse 22, and Daniel 2, just together, in a couple of interpretive verses, like he did on Jacob. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 4. And this is, this is a beauty. <laughs> I think they're all beauties. And if people would just read the Bible, particularly our friends from the Roman church, just read it. Church is not built on Peter, but upon the one Peter confessed. Okay, uh, Acts chapter 4 and uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 10 we'll pick up. Be it known, remember the lame man has just been healed. Uh, he asked for arms and got legs. Uh, quoting somebody else, it's funny that was. Uh, so in verse 10 he says, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here whole, before you whole. Listen to it. Verse 11. This is the stone. Who is it? The Lord Jesus Christ. This is the stone. Not Peter, and Peter's the one that's speaking. He never points himself as the stone. We'll come to that in our conclusion. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders. And who are the builders? If you go back to verse 5 and 6, it tells you who the builders are. It came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, Caiaphas, Caiaphas John, Alexander, and as many were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power, by what name have you done this? And verse 10 is the answer. 
by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is the stone. It's the stone with the name in it. Hallelujah. Which was, said, uh, which was rejected by you builders. Who are the builders? The religious leaders. No mistake. You see, the New, Terp- New Testament is interpreting the old, which has become the chief cornerstone. And verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Wow. I feel like shouting hallelujah. Amen. It's there. Peter said it. He never points himself. Okay. Let's go back now to First uh, Peter chapter 2 as we try and bring some things together. First Peter chapter 2. So, do you, do you feel excited about this? That Peter, under inspiration of the Spirit, has referred to the stone, stones, stone, 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 one, two, three, four, five, six times, and rock of offense, one time, rock, stone or rock, and he's built this whole thing, and he says, you are built up a spiritual house. Wow. Now, let's go to, um, yeah, let's have our little pretty picture up here. Thank you. Oh, now, we're going to freeze that a moment. Let's leave, leave that there. I want you to go to the bottom of the page to our conclusion, just watching our time here. All right, now watch our conclusion. Number one, how many will agree with me that the Lord Jesus Christ is the stone, the rock? So what you should have had down the bottom of your page, I know I've been moving fast, but it's the, it's the resting stone, it's the anointed stone, it's the rejected stone, it's the smitten stone, it's the stumbling stone, it's the rock of offense, it's the foundation stone, a tried stone, it's the smiting stone, Daniel 2. That's all Old Testament. Then in New Testament, the church's foundation stone upon this rock. Whether you say rock, the wise man built his house upon a rock, upon this rock. And the rejected stone, the crushing stone, the chief cornerstone, and the stone with the saving name in it, it's all there. We just went through about 10 scriptures on it. And then, why don't you, let me, let me give you one quick one, I've got time for that. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, it's a few years since I've done this, but I was excited uh, just finding all the parts of the puzzle. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And listen to what Peter say, uh, Paul says. He must have seen something. Verse 1 we'll pick up. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1. This is not on your notes. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual Food. Now listen to verse 4. And they all drink, drank from the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock. Now is Paul spiritualizing away the miracles? No, he's seeing something. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. Oh, you mean this was a movable rock? It just kept chasing Israel through the wilderness? Yeah. And that rock was... Notice it doesn't say that rock was Jesus. What does the name Christ mean? That rock was anointed. And this is the first record of an anointed stone rock in the Bible. 
Wow. You think the Bible is inspired? Well, it is. Hallelujah. Now, let's just sort of come here. Down the bottom of a sheet here. So the Lord Jesus Christ is the rock, the foundation. He's the rock of Gibraltar, and the church is built upon him. Peter, number two, Peter is a stone. I want you to go over to, this is not on your, it's not on your, go to John's Gospel, chapter one. I'll be giving you a break in a moment. John chapter 1. I'm sorry to get excited about all this stuff. John chapter 1, read it properly. Verse 41, or verse 40, verse 40 to 42. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. The anointed, not Jesus, but the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon. And so many preachers get this wrong. Simon simply means hearing. It does not mean a reed. Now he had the character of a reed, but Simon means hearing. Comes from the tribe of Simeon. You are Simon, the son of Jonah, son of a dove. You shall be called Cephas, which is, being, which is translated a stone. Not the stone. He's a stone. So Peter is a stone. And you know what it means now? When you put Simon and Peter together, you've got a hearing stone. So, number two. Lord Jesus Christ is the foundation stone. The apostle Peter is a hearing stone. We all should be hearing stones. And then all true believers are lively stones. And the only reason we're lively stones is because Jesus, the living stone, is on the inside of us. Otherwise, we're all rolling stones. And now, that's the picture we have as we sort of wrap up a bit here. Oh, you see that poor guy up the top there and this heap there? They are stones. And remember Amy Simper McPherson, McPherson had a vision and, uh, about the house of the Lord. That's where I got the idea from. That she, uh, the Lord came to this heap of stones and these were Christians that were just misfits. They said, well, I don't belong to any church. A lot, bunch of hypocrites. I, it's just Jesus and me. That's a lie. It's not just Jesus and me. It's Jesus and the body. I need other members. I need other people. That's why I've stuck to the local church. That's why my wife and I belong to a local church when we go anywhere. So what church? Oh, do we just go where Jesus is? We just go where the Spirit leads. I said, well, which Spirit? Yeah. <laughs> Rolling stones. But you see, this little guy up here, he's got thumbs up. <laughs> he's happy because he's a lively stone he's been. And see, I'll put the scriptures down the bottom there. In Solomon's temple, so beautiful, uh, all the stones were shaped and quarried by the stonemasons in the quarry. And when the temple was brought together, there was not the sound of a hammer or a chisel or any tool, but the stones all just fitted together. And when the stones fitted together into the temple, the house of the Lord, the glory of God filled the house. That's the picture that's talking about. You are built up a spiritual house. Don't be a rolling stone. We have hundreds of them 
wandering around in Melbourne here who have been hurt by churches or whatever. I just don't go to church. I don't believe in the church. God's finished with the church. Don't you believe it? I just go where Jesus tells me. No, I'm glad I'm in a house. Aren't you? And I'm feeling like that guy. Thumbs up. We're being built up a spiritual house. That's it. All right. If you've enjoyed today's teaching by Kevin Connor, be sure to check out his books, available from word.com.au in Australia, amazon.com all over the world, and now downloadable as PDFs on kevinconnor.org.